Hey there, welcome back to Wednesday's Child's podcast. And it's Sarah and me again. Hi there, Sarah. Hiya, how are you doing, Debbie? I'm really well, thank you. And you? Good, yeah, good. I've just been um, been sanding my hallway all weekend, so how exciting is that? <laughs> well, I'm sure there could be more exhilarating jobs to do, but hey, you know, in this kind of lockdown world when we're all confined to our homes, what else do you do but home improvement? One thing, is, one thing about DIY these days, though, is that none of it's wrapped around um, idiotic behaviours or, or eating disorder behaviours, should I say, not idiotic, sorry. Um, it's not no longer about, you know, sanding as fast as I can and I could possibly burn off some calories it's now a case of standing there going oh my god I can't believe I'm still flipping sanding the stairs but hey no, no neurotic behaviors in the ledger household no neurotic <laughs> behaviors not well not 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 eating disorder ones anyway well I don't know about the rest okay we won't question those and I won't ask you <laughs> okay well that brings us neatly on to the topic of the day and it was all about those just wacky and weird behaviors that we tend to succumb to in our world of eating disorders um this was a topic that you and I kind of teased didn't we last time I'm talking about some of the things that both your, yourself and I have been through and anybody that we've ever come across that's had an eating disorder, there's a certain amount of things you do, you think, you have you know, considered doing in the past, which you almost wouldn't dare tell your nearest and dearest, you would hide from anybody. And if, if there was ever a chance that there was a hidden camera following you around, you would be mortified to think that anybody could see you behaving in that way. And the purpose of this episode is just to address what some of those behaviours are and to do it in, you know, we are taking this in all seriousness. So we're not kind of making light of how just traumatic it can be for somebody with an eating disorder to recognise that they're going through these behaviours, but also in a way deliberately trying to put a light spin on it in as much as to say you are not alone and this is not about having any level of shame or guilt about the behaviors that you succumb to. Remember that your illness is a terrible mental health illness, which is sabotaging your brain and is making you behave in ways that it ordinarily you wouldn't be doing. And I think if we can achieve anything throughout the course of this episode, it would be whether we talk about it with seriousness or giggles or whatever. It's just ultimately to say, you are not alone. So many of us have been through what you've been through and the way out the other side and the way to feel really free of that shame, stigma and all the rest of it is just to keep focusing on your recovery. And the sooner you do that, the sooner you will realise that those behaviours are a thing of the past. And there's two kind of shifts and, and turning points for me in my own recovery where I think this sits really nicely. So I've spoken an awful lot about how, you know, when I started to say things out loud, that was such a massive shift for me for my recovery. You know, I've said before, I'd walk into a cafe and I'd just say, I'm having shepherd's pie today. And I think this, this podcast on a similar sort of idea of if we say out loud some of these behaviours that, yes, sometimes, sometimes they're wacky and weird and sometimes they're really, really, they're really hard and they're, they're damaging and they're painful. But, but by keeping them secret, you're then still allowing that illness and erection to keep you protected. And oh, no one else understand. No one else does this. It's just you. So let's just keep ourselves to ourselves. But the second, I just think the more we get all of this stuff out in the end, no matter how peculiar they might feel or how um, it might be quite hurtful to actually say them out loud in the first instance, it's about getting rid of the guilt and the shame. One of the ways of doing that is to actually realize that there is nothing to be guilty about because you're not the only person that's going through this. And that, that guilt is just because you're poorly 
Um, but actually, if you if you can hear other people that have suffered and done the exact same things, then it stops. You, you don't feel so alone anymore. So that, that that's the, that's the reason. I think it's it's a kind of level playing field that way, isn't it? And I I think the other thing I would say is you know if you want to kind of um, inform any therapist or parent or spouse or sibling to listen to this episode too you might feel that actually it's a really important piece of education for them because I think there's so many people out there that wouldn't recognize such behaviors. And I think, you know, you and I were saying just before we started recording, Sarah, that obviously there's an awful lot of practitioners out there that they know the, the kind of black and white theory behind eating disorders and how that illness manifests itself but probably don't know the curious weird wacky whatever you want to call it behaviors that so many of us go through so if they don't mention them in those counseling sessions that we have and if they're not sat there bringing those issues up then perhaps we feel oh my goodness we should keep it hidden because if we were to open our mouths and really say what we really want and be really authentic hell what would they think of me well the truth is you know we we have to stop worrying about that we have to be cards on the table particularly where we're talking about recovery journey and anybody that we want to help us we have to be as honest and open as we can and i know that's bloody difficult because trust me the, the first time i started kind of thinking you know what i need to let these people in on my recovery i need to tell them the shit that is going on in my brain and help them understand what happens and and how i feel it's it's like being naked it's so exposing and that's frightening. You have done yeah. nothing but build walls around yourself and live in a very secretive, deceitful, manipulative, sorry, all those ugly words that I know are really uncomfortable to hear, but you've lived in this really awful world which you have made very shameful for yourself. And you know what, actually it was also quite revealing is once you start talking about some of these behaviors, the number of people that say, yes, I saw you do that. Yeah, we knew you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, 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 what, yeah. What, why did you feel that was a secret? Yeah, we, we absolutely knew that's what you were doing when you went off and did that. And why you used that size bowl and why you behaved that way and why you used to tear up that piece of bread. Or So, yeah. Should we get started? What should we start with? Well, you, you kicked me off. Is there one that kind of shines out for you, Sarah, as something that you thought, oh, my goodness. Where has okay. this woman gone who was a kind of leading teacher in her school and all of a sudden succumbed to an eating disorder and I was doing dot, dot, dot. What was it? Making meals and food like this epic event. I don't have a clue how I had any time in my day to do anything other than eat um, when I was really, really poorly. And bear in mind, I didn't really eat very much either. It was just the, the length of time and the preparation to actually get to actually eating. Um, was was one of the things that I just think was amazing. So um, I would have like seven wees. I would change my pants. I would have to have the right trousers on. If I didn't have the right trousers on, it was something wrong with the socks. If there wasn't anything wrong with the socks, I'd have everything absolutely perfect. Um, I would then go through Netflix constantly. I need something perfect to watch that's the right length of time that didn't wouldn't interrupt me with lots of adverts. Um, I had to have my water and a hot drink just to make sure. But if the hot drink wasn't quite hot enough, I had to make that again before the food came out. And so it went and went and went and went and went. And what about the actual... doors, doors shut? I, had to, I don't know what it was. Yeah, oh, yeah. Doors yes, oh, I, still, see, doors oh, I still do that. Oh. I still do that. My husband will be, yeah, he'll be laughing his head off if he could hear you now. And, yep, and yep. God help anybody that, like, if we'd sat down to eat and I was all posed and it had taken, like, 45 minutes to prepare for the meal that was actually going to take 10 minutes to eat, 
and the doorbell of the family oh. house right oh no. my goodness no, no, no. Oh, well, that's it. it's yep. all over now yeah exactly i'm eating don't you know what i'm eating and it's like it's a bit it, it's sort of a bit flippant of me i suppose because there were periods where my family really couldn't interrupt me because they knew the process I was going through in my head in order to be able to get that food into, into my stomach. But then there was a shift a little bit further into the recovery journey where it just was, it was like, well, put your, put actually physically put, put, do it something, do something different there, eat somewhere different. So I always had to eat at the table and there was a bit where it was like, kind of like, okay, we've, we're starting to crack this. You're getting more, you know, you're getting more regular with your eating. Let's, let's start eating off our knees. Let's start eating in the car. Let's go for a picnic, trying to just break, because habits become new habits, don't they? I don't know whether you found that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, and I think we've said this about lockdown. If you're not careful, the routine that you think is, oh, I've broken a pattern. No, no, no. You've broken a pattern by creating a new pattern, which is exactly. just you just as stuck as you were before. Yeah, yeah. And potentially even more disorder than it was beforehand. Um, so you'd spent 45 minutes getting some food prepared and you had your food prepared and then um, you started to eat it and da, 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 you had the wrong cutlery or the wrong ball. Um, God forbid any of that kind of thing was, was the happening at the same time. Oh, see, someone on Instagram, I put this on Insta last week about, you know, people sending stuff in and some of the things we'll look at are, are directly from other people. Um, and temperature was a big one. Having to eat food really, really hot for me. I don't know what, yeah, what it yeah. is about heat. Yeah, and getting up in the, you know, everybody else has sat down at the table and all of a sudden saying, no, it's no good. I'll have to go and put it in the microwave again. And yeah. it, you could almost feel that exasperation of everybody at the table just sighing, but knowing, don't say anything. It's a eating disorder. Don't say anything. Yeah, should everyone know what they speak to the... And then, I don't know whether you had the, the condiment and salt as well. So I I'm would have like... That, but I do know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so mine was laden with salt. Obviously, whether that's just because it just to try and make it not taste of anything but salt. So you weren't able to maybe, I don't know, maybe actually taste it. Or was it robbing myself of the flavor? You know, I suppose once you, I remember giving in to the fact that actually, and giving in in terms of anorexia giving in, giving in to the fact that um, I liked food tastes again. It's almost like my salt need went up it, as, as, as like, a, no, no, don't, don't start anorexia saying, don't start getting to like this taste of food. Let's just stick to kind of what we know. Um, but they're masking everything in tomato sauce. I remember on the ward, actually, you got two sashes of sauce and one little packet of salt and that was it um, for your meal. So there's, that was obviously quite a repeated behavior for them to actually put those sort of sanctions in place. Um, I don't think it was NHS budgets, which meant you couldn't have more sauce. Um, but yeah, condiments and salt, that was something else that quite a lot of people on Instagram spoke of. I think, I think you're so right. And I, I think a lot of it does centre around that sort of putting the meal time on the pedestal and just, yeah. it's that crushing disappointment and defeat. But again, it, you know, when actually in a recovered brain, with rational thought, you, you can kind of look back on that and say, what was that about? Why do we do that? Well, it's just such obvious mental hunger, isn't it? It's yeah, just, yeah. it's so clear that the reason we do it is because our brain thinks this is the only time we're going to eat and it's yeah. such a big deal. And after this, we're, you know, it goes back to, we've talked about that caveman thing before, which is where all this comes from. It's almost like, oh my goodness, this is the big kill. So we all sit down and we have this ritual around eating this, I don't know, big boar that we've gone out and hunted and killed and slain. And so we all sit down and eat it. And then, you know what? We might not eat for six more weeks because we don't know when there's going to be another kill. So 
will have to make a big feast and they'll have to be you know everybody from the village will have to come and sit around the campfire and it is it's almost like we're doing that festive thing yeah. around our food and I, I I look back now with such um you know yes there's a shame and all that stuff around it but just almost with heartbreak I don't know what you feel towards your husband and your family but yeah gosh how awful it must feel for everybody around that particularly if they were serving anything up and often for me if it was knowing you were going to be served that lasagna or whatever it was and then well it's never going to arrive to the table looking what you want it to look like because it has to be perfect and if it's not perfect well then I can't eat it and now it's all ruined and then the speed of which it would take to actually eat it so breaking and dissecting everything into the tiniest, tiniest pieces, nibbling at a crust of a sandwich for as long as possible. Again, just to try and make the whole eating period as lengthy as I possibly could. Like you said, because my head was going, well, we've got food in front of us at the moment. Um, let's take a long time eating it because we might not, I'm not sure when we're going to get this again. Um, so just take absolutely pulling everything apart. You know, I know I got into trouble on Instagram a couple of weeks ago for saying that grown-ups shouldn't wear children's clothes. Um, but I also am going to stick my neck out and say that grown-ups shouldn't eat a sandwich in four pieces. Little children can because their little hands can't eat a proper sandwich. But our big hands, they're more than capable of just picking up half a sandwich. We don't need to cut it into four or six pieces. and um, We don't need bite-sized fingers, you know, soldier sandwiches. Um you don't you don't have to have everything it was like like precision kind of engineering slicing even things like cucumber getting it so they're absolutely spot on perfect but again even that the prep is about just lengthening the entire process that whole sensory experience isn't it feeding your stomach through your eyes as well rather than through your mouth which goes back to food porn as well which is something that i know we've spoken about um and i know countless folks that have spoken how if you're suffering from anorexia just have a look at your bookshelf have a look at what you're recording on your virgin box or sky tv have a look at what your favorites are on netflix and i guarantee you three quarters of them will be all to do with food extreme cake makers bake-off you name it it'll all be on there um just to make sure again every minute of every day if you're not eating you can still be getting food in some in some way shape or form and i think sometimes people don't associate that it's almost like not that immediate understanding that actually the reason that you're obsessing about recipe books or looking at food on your Instagram or you know as you say kind of looking at um bake-off cookery programs all that stuff I think there's a certain amount of people that initially wouldn't even be thinking this is associated with any kind of illness or weirdness and perhaps even more so now because moving forward from kind of when I first started struggling 20 years ago watching food programs was they weren't as common as they no. are now, you know, as the occasional kind of ready, steady cook and all the rest of it. But, <laughs> you know, now tell me, well, and because of the sort of multitude of channels, tell me when you can't possibly find, as you say, that kind of TV food porn somewhere and not recognising that actually, do you know what? I'm being drawn to this because my brain is craving it. My brain is just saying, for God's sake, stop watching food. Get up eat it, eat get it. in the kitchen and go yep, get some yep. food. And then it becomes 24 hours a day, doesn't it? The only thing that you're really occupied with is the thought of or the, the some sort of action around food. You know, it's no, it's no big surprise that a lot of people with eating disorders are really good bakers doesn't mean they're eating the stuff that they're baking but if you get an instagram the amount of people that post pictures of the most amazing looking cakes and biscuits and cookies who are also struggling with eating disorders um 
because they're then again it's being able to be around food and be in that environment without actually physically being able to eat it and feeding other people as well that's it that's also a big one isn't it i know i remember doing that to do that so much and i did get into baking kind of something terrible to the point you know like it was only me and my other half at home when i sort of got into baking and there was me all of a sudden, you know, he'd come home from a shift and I'd be like, what do you think of these cookies? And he's like, um, you've made 60 of them? And like, <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I just kept putting the baking tray in. I mean, it's like amazing, isn't it? Um, well, we'll probably get through a couple each day. And, you know, she goes, go give them to some friends. Yeah, give them, take them to work. Do anything with them. Oh. Just get rid of the damn cookies. Yeah. But, and but then I suppose there are some of the things that, that people see that, that, they may or may not at certain points think that they're, that they're particularly disordered. But I think as you go down and you're further in and entrenched in your illness, then people around you do start to witness that these behaviours are, are something that, that isn't you know, particularly healthy. But then there's an awful lot, isn't there, that, that we do at four o'clock in the morning or we do in the hour during the day when we're by ourselves that are maybe less easy to speak about and much more difficult to then bring up with loved ones when you need the help and you need to shout things out. Um, I think so those are the ones that are really important to talk about now, particularly in this period, because there's been a lot of people living on lockdown where your routine is such that whether you live with parents or a partner, that hour where you would have been at work or and away from your other half, or you would have been at school, or you would have been able to be out of the way of the house, and it's something that other people didn't see you do or behave, suddenly the way that the world is living through the pandemic has meant that the ability to hide those behaviours has been much, much more difficult. So I can see why it's brought up a lot of anxiety and distress for people around their their kind of patterns of behavior even if they've never noticed them as although they've been aware of them they've perhaps never kind of thought that they couldn't have a work around for them yeah yeah definitely um and yeah and, and i think the work around that's really interesting what you said there isn't it it's, it's anorexia is always trying to find a place or a space where you could do them um, which is why you, why you might find yourself tiptoeing around your bedroom or your house at four o'clock in the morning. Um, so I'll open up with some of the quieter, secretive ones then. So how about um, chewing and spitting? I remember that was quite a, quite a big one for me at one point, was, was, was putting food into my mouth, chewing it around, but then having to spit it out on the sink or spit it out into the bin um, or, you know, trying to smuggle it into a napkin at a dinner table when other people hopefully weren't watching. Um, that was quite, that was quite a tricky, that was quite a tricky one for me because it was kind of, you sort of were halfway there, you know, you, you were halfway to having it. So it might, and it often was the food that you, I was desperately, desperately wanting, you know, um, you know, I don't know, chocolate muffin or cheese pasty, um, but then not actually digesting any of it or feeling like I hadn't digested any of it. Wow, goodness. I never went through that. That sounds like it would have been a really difficult thing to kind of find yourself standing there doing as an adult sufferer of an eating disorder and knowing that that just felt really... I think, it, yeah, it definitely was. But like all of these things, and we've said it a million times, and I know everybody who's recovered says the same thing, the, the only way to stop it is to notice it, to commit to recovery and just to challenge not doing it every single time. Um I think the difficult one for that one is obviously that is then the swallowing of the food, which is potentially, you know, it is, is, is trickier, but, um, 
but it's the same all these behaviors in me it's the same pattern in order to break them you make that you notice it you make the decision then you challenge it every single day and then you repeat 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 until it's not not there anymore um so yeah so that 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 was definitely one of the ones that for me was quiet and like i said in the the getting up at like four o'clock in the morning um i've got a big cream swivelly chair in my front room and i used to sit on that cream swivelly chair with my dog <laughs> and just sort of sitting there thinking right come on come on lenny looks like our day's starting very early again today what should we have for breakfast and then just start and yeah yeah you're knackered which is why i was very fortunate that i was managed to um not have to work but um i don't know how people would do that and then still be able to function during the day Look, I know that only recently I was talking to a woman who said even when she was a mother of a very young child and her husband was sort of upstairs in bed, she and it was almost kind of he knew to expect it. She would sneak out of bed at sort of half two in the morning because she had become obsessed with having to walk up and down the living room to get her step count in. So she would do it at 2.30 in the morning so she could get back into bed and get enough rest before her little one woke up. And wow um i know i've done things where um i'm not sort of walked up and down the carpet but perhaps even like now i look back and think god how dangerous was that i would just if i was kind of on my own and uh, my ex had kind of been um on a night shift i would go in the middle of the night and i would just walk for miles and miles and miles and then like he'd arrive home and say should we go for a walk to the park and you know, my, I'd have been, I know full well I'd hardly slept because I just walked and walked and walked for miles and miles and miles and probably walked, walked a week's worth of steps in that last few hours. But you're putting on that kind of smiley face while still not eating and saying, of course, you're going to go for a walk to the park. And then him wondering why you're having a row within 10 minutes of setting off yeah. because you're so shattered. And then him saying, you know, you look like you could really do with some food. And then what do you do? Oh, no, I'll have a Diet Coke. It was those, yeah. it's those yeah. kind yeah. of awful things that, we never talked about what I was doing. I knew what I was doing and what, what it was causing. And he knew what the kind of end result was. But it was never actually spoken about. But yeah. the, the more you create that habit and that ritual, it, um, and those are the ones that, you know, even now I, as I sit here, I, you know, it doesn't make me teary, but I can, I, I look back and I just, it, it's sort of like, as I recount the, to you and and I think back to doing those long slow kind of lonely walks in the middle of the night and just think I feel so sorry for her yeah I I just I feel so desperate I wish somebody and I do remember one particular day and it was like a November day and it was really cold and it was a few weeks before Christmas and that's why the church the local church was kind of quite lit um and um I sat on a bench outside this church in the middle of the night and i i'm not particularly religious but i sort of wanted someone to save me i saw it in that kind of it felt more spiritual than ever of just wanting because i was kind of in the light of the arch of the church and just wanting someone just to i suppose if it was a film someone would walk up and tap me on the shoulder and say it's okay debbie that, that that's enough now debbie yeah 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 and wow. it's the, the feeling of like being invincible isn't it up to that point it's it's uh, whether it's the 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 fog the mental fog whether it's because the the mental illness has got you so trapped that you i i definitely felt invincible you know so those 
my, my, mine weren't midnight walks or nighttime walks, but, you know, getting on the treadmill in my garage at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning in the freezing cold, um, running down the road. I remember running down a country lane whilst Amy was at ballet and it's like a one, it was like a one lane track and there's like trackers and everything. But it was, it, I was just, it was so much more important for me to do the run than it was to protect my own safety um, that at the time, it, 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 it's only now I look back and think, could, could, so you, you, you could have been run over. And uh, like week after week after week, you could have been run over. Um, but at the time, it was more important. And I acknowledged that there's, it was a busy, you know, there's a lot of farm traffic. But, and it was, you know, it was dusky time of day. So it, it was dark and I was in black running kit. But at the time, it was more important that I got those steps in and that running than it was to actually protect my own safety. Um, and it is, it's, it's like looking back and thinking, well, I, I, yeah, could someone, like you said, could, 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 was there a, a saviour? But the thing is about this illness is that, it, that this is why it's so hard. And this is why, you know, you can have the best therapist in the world. And I've had some amazing treatment. I've spoken about it before. But ultimately, the only person that can drag you out of the depths of this illness is little Sarah and little Debbie. It's that little voice of you somewhere in, in inside your head, inside your heart, inside your gut that just says, please, please, come on, please. We don't need to live like this. Or in my case, we didn't used to live like this. Please, let's let, 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 let get back to how it was. Um, and it's bit by bit through all the trauma and all the torture and all the torment, letting little Sarah and little Debbie grow. And, mm. and anorexia becomes little and ultimately she just drops out your ear because she's nothing, she's a nobody. Um, and all these behaviors that people spoke to me about on Instagram and, and, and we've spoken about before and we've, we've gone through, they're all just that, that being trapped and believing that you, you have to live this way. That's the thing. Everybody else can have fish and chips. Everybody else can go to the movies. Everyone else can sit on a Sunday night with a beer and put their feet up, but you can't. No, 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 no. You, you, you need to be on your treadmill. You need to be busy. You need to be whatever you need to be doing. Um, and it's understanding and, and, and really realizing that you are worth the rest and the fun times just as much as anybody else. And actually, I'd argue once you've gone through recovery, you're worth much more rest and fun times because of the shit you've been through. You need to get that beer and just sit and go, do you know what? I'm doing naffle today because I'm recovered. I mean, it's um, this week. It's three years since my first impatience. Oh, week. wow. Yeah. Gosh. We were sat in the car driving my mother-in-law's for our garden visit for the first time months today. And I turned to James and I said, oh my God, it's nearly end of, it'd be three years that I was in on Birch in West Park. Um, now, if it's not a, a, you know, a reason to celebrate, you were there only just a short period of time, then you know, we need to be really proud of ourselves. Um, and then everybody that's listening to this that is battling with an eating disorder, you need to every single day look in the mirror and say, do you know what? You are amazing for what you're doing. And the behaviours will, bit by bit, they will disappear. Yeah. I wish, I, you know, I, I suppose that's the one thing that I, I really wish, because you and I know how painful that life is, how distressing it is, and how relentless it can be. If it was possible to bottle that sensation and, you know, that desire for other people not to be, not to suffer, not not to go through that not to have to get so far down if oh my god if I could you know and that has been the spirit of why Wednesday's Child's come about really it, you know and if it just stops 
one or two people out there from thinking that this is nothing more than a bit of a vain illness that will pass within a couple of weeks because you know that's all just about her wanting to lose a bit of weight i mean we have to stop thinking like that because oh well if you think about this list of behaviours that we've been talking about and that other people have given, I mean, another one of, of, of my deepest, darkest ones was when I used to forage through bins. Um, I'd forage through my own bin because I knew that I'd have, I've put something in there earlier on or I knew that my daughter had only finished half a, a donut or whatever. Now, I'm a mature, grown adult with a nice stack of qualifications and a very responsible job and a wonderful upbringing Um and and means you know i've got cash in the bank i've got a roof over my head but the illness was making me forage in a bin and that's that's the thing that it's like kind of i just wish if 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 you are if you are listening to this and you know that you did that behavior yesterday then you know what it's all right you weren't by yourself when you did it there's lots of other of us that are done what isn't all right is noticing it and continue doing it if you notice that you're doing it then you've got to make a commitment to yourself that it's going to stop um and just anyone else that kind of knows that or sees somebody else doing that you know i think you kind of need to hear what sarah and i are saying today and say you know there is that whole thing about walk a mile in my shoes you know be really careful about how we judge the behaviors of others because you have no idea how uh, you know how how malnourished that person's brain is and and what a torture that person is living under so this isn't about you know just snap out of this go and have a hot dog you know my god if it was we'd all be sitting there with a packet of custard creams if that's your thing and you know um and and that's the trouble this really we have to get out of this idea that this is an easy very very fixable illness yeah the old only sort of flip i would say to this it could be that much easier to fix if we were able to sort of nip it in the bud for people with early intervention. So, and, and that's where you cannot allow it, it, whether it's in yourself or in somebody that you love to become an eating disorder that's as entrenched as mine and Sarah's was where, you know, there's the kind of the bin foraging and the 2am running in the dark and all that stuff. Um, you know, the purpose of doing this and putting all that stuff out there is saying, there is no shame in this. And we have to talk about it, but the purpose of talking about it is to help people get that yeah, support yeah, that they need. Yeah, it's not just talking about it for the sake of talking about it because there's too much of that out there already. I think you know you'll see it again. Any any of the social media platforms, you'll you'll troll, you know, countless 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 accounts of you know full days of eating and and, and absolute bullshit recovery stories and that horrendous quasi state that seems to really hit people hard and 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 is very very difficult it's a huge difficult leap of faith to to go that next step um but it's 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 ta- it's getting these things out in the open but in a very productive manner not just talking about because the eating disorder will like to be just like the food porn wants to be surrounded by the constant conversations about anorexia because then you yeah. get your little anorexia tribe and you none of you need to challenge each other it's about talking about them so actually you're then like okay so that's fine but what we're going to do about it what, what what how can i help you in order to start breaking this because once you've done your bin foraging or whatever, it doesn't take long afterwards, maybe 10 minutes, half an hour maximum afterwards, where you're sat sobbing your heart out because the real you has gone, oh, what, what, what are we doing again? And then that's where the guilt and the shame kicks in because you're constantly in that battle between you and your true voice and the anorexia voice. Yeah, and, and actually you make a really good point there. So um, uh, the other side of my life is um, I'm in kind of PR and marketing. So I think a lot about brand messaging and communications and stuff. And one of the things that 
sort of it doesn't jar with me in as much as I think it's a bad thing but um something I'm always very very aware of it because of um the the kind of work we do at Wednesday's Child is the strap line they use around a time to talk and this this constant um you know we're seeing a lot of the the media now covering this time to talk for mental health must you know have the conversation it's really important that we remember that the talking is just the starting point. We cannot stay in dialogue circles alone because that keeps us stuck. We need to have the open forum to have the dialogue about this illness, about what we're struggling with, about what we're going through. And then we have to hold somebody's hand and lead them to action. We have to move it forward from the conversation because most people with an eating disorder are friggin articulate they are really really eloquent about their illness they could talk behind legs off a donkey i know because i've been in front of therapists god knows how many times and i've sat there and genuinely thought to myself i can run rings around you i'll say whatever you need to hear but nothing's changing and i don't know about you whether that talks with you sarah but you know we can talk that talk and i think where you raise that thing about you know the, the social media posts that we can all jump on the kind of watching other people's full days of eating and all the rest of it there's a lot of dialogue sometimes and yet we forget that actually until we do the action we're never going to you know we can all support each other and we can say oh yeah i get you that's right but it's it's acting that makes and that's the part i think of isn't it of an eating disorder that is often missed by folks who haven't experienced it in that it's not just about like you said it's not just about chatting about it's got to be action centered it's got to be exposure therapy which is the hardest 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 thing it's very much occupational therapy you know when i started occupational therapy i was really poo-pooing it you know i don't need this i'm a girl i can pay my bills i can i can dress myself i can feed myself oh hang on can you really you've been in black leggings for three years you haven't worn a bra that fits you properly for three years you i can't remember the last time you wore pants that weren't like seven sizes too big can you really dress yourself you can't feed yourself sarah because look at the size of you so it was it was like that kind of like shift of 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 realizing that those practical therapeutic interventions were much more needed for me than the than the psychotherapy at a certain point there was a lot of psychotherapy work i had to go through and and access dr katie and i had some humdingers of some sessions and she was an amazing therapist. I was so, so fortunate. But it was the action stuff that made the difference. It was having those people that held you to account, um, you know, and handing yourself over to people where you can. I know there's a lot of people that suffer by themselves. And that, that is a, di- a totally different type of, of therapy and a totally different type of support that you need to find strength within yourself. But people who are listening, if you do have people, hand yourself over to them. All of your behaviours, everything, hand it over and they will help you try to battle your way through them and, and challenge repeat, challenge repeat, challenge repeat. That's all it is. And I think that's where it, it's really important that the authenticity bit comes in. So whether it's that you're living with a family, a partner, or you know, you can ask a friend to live with you for a while, or however you make that possible, but you need to have that kind of open conversation and say, you know, you're going to need to sit with me at like four in the morning, or you're going to need to sit with me over that meal time, or you're going to have to help me go food shopping, or let them know what they can do because it's amazing. Like once we hand over, as you said, Sarah, you know, give somebody that opportunity to help and support us. That's actually what they want. That's, you know, I, I yeah. can always remember my, my dad saying, you know, I, I just want to be able to do something. He'd, he'd kind of, he wanted to like, he'd, he'd keep turning up just to kind of fix a broken light bulb that wasn't even really like faulty or something. It was just, 
I can't fix your brain, so I'll do something practical. But the minute I could give him something kind of practical that actually, you know what, this would really help me if you could just sit with me and watch some television so that I don't go off for a walk right now, yeah, that would be yeah. really helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we used to, I used to, um, I used to just go around to my dad's and he would just like, he would just sit next to me and we would just sit and do a crossword while watching Pointless. And he knew fine well why I'd suddenly turned up at that particular time. And there was no conversation needed. It was just, you know, sit there, you know, you're fine. Come in, come in, come in. I put the kettle on and we just would sit and we would, nothing was mentioned, but that hour safeguarded a part of my recovery that was absolutely essential for me to safeguard. Um, and it also then meant, right. Okay. I've done that now I can go back home and this is the next stage of the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to all the behaviours, it, it's just a case of making sure that you appreciate wholly that this these don't make you unique. Anorexia does not make you unique. What makes you unique is the unique person that is in there that is absolutely desperate to show the world their stuff. Um, these behaviours are quite common to many of us. You know, the, the amount of times I've put something on Instagram and people go, oh my God, thank God you said that because I did that and I did that. And there'll be like hundreds of people saying, I did that, oh my word, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as soon as you realise that actually that's that, you don't want to be special because you're nibbling at bread. You want to be special because you can hold a conversation with an elderly lady down the street. You know, you want to be special because you can um, help your grandma do some shopping. You know, you don't need to be yeah. special by, by having a bullshit ball and a bullshit spoon. Um, and actually, you make a really good point there because um, I was thinking about what might be something that's really practical for somebody to do that you could do as a kind of little private exercise to yourself, almost to remind yourself why you're on this journey. And I, I think it'd be really interesting to draw some really crappy stick person picture of yourself, like in the now and where you want to be. And I'd kind of write against that kind of now person what does that person behave like? So what, what does she do? Does she eat out of bins? You know, does she like only eat around certain people or at specific times? What's her mood like? What are the behaviors? What, you know, what other things does she control? What does she not allow herself to do? Does she not go out with friends and eat? Does she, you know, how obsessed is she with other things? What time does she miss out on being with friends and family? I'd put all that, that on one side of the kind of the person that you're living in in the now with your weird behaviors. And then on the other side, I'd like say to you, do that again and then say, what does that person over there look like? What does she behave like? Does she sleep eight hours a day? Does she have great sex with her husband and actually yes. want to lay in bed yes. on a Sunday morning? Yes. What does she respond like when her husband brings her up breakfast in bed? Does she say, no, you've put butter on the friggin' toast and throw it across the room? Or does she say, hey there, darling, that's all I needed. Thank you very much. You know, and yes. just, yes. Uh, you know, it's kind of, um, just reminding ourselves that we're in this shitty state right now and there's behaviors there that we're not particularly liking but it doesn't have to stay that way let's yeah. remind ourselves what we want to be and what it would look like on the other side because actually having that aspiration and that focus on the future keeps you going whereas yeah. if you stay in that navel gazing oh well i'm stuck here with this shit then actually it's harder to pull yourself out of the trenches and for what it's worth, the two, the two absolute hinge behaviors for me that I will tell a million people a million times really started me off on my real recovery was stopping weighing myself and stopping weighing food. So the second I got away from my skills for the body and skills for the food, it, the, the almost instant change to things was just unbelievable. Um, 
So if you're if you're going through eating disorder recovery and you're trying to battle all sorts of things, but you're still weighing yourself, then I really, really, really strongly recommend take a hammer to your to your scales. Take a I hammer just, to them. I'm going to add a third one in there. If you are also somebody that is excessive exercise, oh, I would yeah, say yeah, yes. throw your bloody Fitbit out. Make a ritual. Yes. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. 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 Don't even. And okay, I guess that if you've got an Apple Watch, they're pretty expensive. And I was speaking <laughs> to someone the other day about saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, but you know the, the steps are monitored on your phone and everything." Yes, they bloody are. But you don't have to see them. You don't have to have that bit of your phone observing them. And I'm sure it is somewhere on my phone. I have a very current iPhone, but there is no chance in hell I am going to replace that from kind of my days of having a Fitbit and just realizing how distressing that was. So I guess there's a, you know, it's a thing back to where you were saying about the scales there. It's about that kind of numbers nonsense that yeah, it is really numbers, numbers, numbers. don't need, just don't need at all. Yeah. And remember, you know, when I was a lass, there was no counting steps. Nobody did that malarkey. So it's only because at some point, very, very recently, someone's tried to sell us something. And, and it stops you being intuitive as well. It stops yeah. you recognizing like, when have I done what feels right for myself? And we've said so many times before, haven't we? It's about you, not about like other people. And that's this, that's true of how much have you got on your plate or how much exercise you do. It's, you know, how much rest have you have done? Stop worrying about what other people have done. It doesn't matter if you eat more, more potatoes than they do tonight. It doesn't matter if you lay on the sofa longer than they did or whatever that may be. It's all about your individual journey. And at the point that you are in recovery and, and kind of way out the other side, you have absolutely not got to compare yourself to anybody else because you are overdue. You are exactly. seriously overdue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You need to breathe. You need to relax. You need to put your comfy pants on and your comfy bra, in my case, and just go for it. Just start living life without all this horrendous stuff going through your head every minute of every day. And do you know what? I think we're heading into that season of um, when when is a better time to do slightly more of that kind of treating yourself in the evening, being curled up in comfort. You know, it's not the light, bright, sunny nights that make you feel like you want to jump on your bike and go out for a, you know, a cycle or a walk with your friends after work. It's I mean, I'm looking outside right now. We're recording this at what? Actually, it's just 10, five o'clock, but it's pretty much pitch black where I am. Oh, look, hey, I, know, I know people are just going to hear this and not see it, but I, I sat down in front of yeah. you and you didn't see me, Debbie. And I was like, you know, it was sunny. And I'm now, I'm actually in the dark. I've got my phone uh, torch on because I, I forgot to put the light on. I, I, listeners, I can basically see Sarah's white teeth and that's it. That's all I'm looking at. <laughs> It's very very Halloween though. Maybe it is that's very Halloween. Live, you know, that, that's a kind of date point for me as well because I kind of think um, I think I might have said this even before, but I buy a big old tub of chocolate and um, sweets for the kids to come yeah. calling like on trick or treat, and like as of that point, right through the kind of winter and Christmas period, there's chocolates and treats in my house and stuff. Scarves, about, oh, this a scarf season. Uh, I just love oh, yeah. a comfy scarf. That's my thing. Um, oh. Yeah, I did gingerbread yesterday from Greg's. It was lush. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Per perfect time of year. Perfect time of year to just kind of take stock and and get you know to recharge your batteries, ready for ready for the next the next big season. 
absolutely and i'm 43 i'm 43 in a couple of weeks as well so it's time for me to uh, seriously take stock of things again i think oh well you know what's it they say you're only as young as you feel (laughs) in that case then i'm about 12 (laughs) who's making the birthday cake sarah Uh, amy of course my little baker i'll get on amy bakes underscore young she's got her own little site bless her she's a she's a really really taken to it so so yeah, she'll be making the cake, whatever it'll be. It'll be, be gorgeous. Oh, amazing. <laughs> well, guys, that brings our session to a close. So I really hope that episode has been helpful or useful. There's a, there's a sense in me that actually this is a kind of episode that we could do a part A, B, C, D. Yeah. You know, because it's it's something that every single one of you will have your own experiences and behaviours that whether you feel ready now or in the future to talk about, there will be things that actually you just kind of want to put out there and know that somebody else may or may not have encountered. So what I would say to this is, you know, if you're listening and you just want us to talk about that too, then, um, you know, fire off a message and, and let us chat with you about it. And we'd love to. And we're always kind of happy to be joined by somebody else on the, uh, on the podcast if you want to have a conversation with us. So do get in touch and also just let us know what themes you'd like us to cover we haven't actually organized have we the um no we haven't got next month so drop us all a line i um and will uh be great actually to to do something a bit kind of um last minute and, and and sort of someone else's point of view so yeah give us a give us a shout and see what you fancy excellent all right guys in the meantime take care enjoy whatever you're doing whether you're in lockdown or not i hope you stay well keep well and keep focused on recovery and we will see you again soon take care keep well bye